0: What is the optimum link building outreach strategy? How should you reach out to your ideal target audience? How should you maximize the chance of getting a link? And has outreach changed much through the years? I am David Bain. And those are just a few of the questions that I'm going to be asking the panelists on today's majestic SEO podcast and live stream. So let's get them to introduce themselves and bring them right on here. So starting off with AJ.
1: Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, This is AJ, AJ Pactal. I'm the founder of Only Outreach, also the founder of Pitch Panda. Both are link building uh, related businesses, one as a service, one as a platform, and um, been in outreach for about 10 years now, doing it actively day in, day out for a long, long time. And, um, you know, super, super excited to, to be discussing some of these topics today.
2: Superb. Thanks so much for joining us, AJ. And also with us is Aaron. Hi, my name is uh, Aaron Anderson. I am uh, the founder of LinkPitch.io. We're uh, an outreach based uh, link building agency. I also run a podcast called Let's Talk Link Building. So yeah, link building is uh, a topic that I, I like to discuss and uh, yeah, happy to, to jump in.
0: Right person on the on the right panel, um, so that's a good start. Um, and um, third panelist joining us today is Anna.
3: Hi, I'm Anna Bravington. I'm co-founder of Those That Dare. We're actually not a link building agency. We go back to strategy, so we look at the strategic side of things. So, um, but ex uh, traditional PR all the way up to digital PR now. Um, one of my favourite um, channels in the entire world, <laughs> and I am. Um, I, I'm uh, absolutely um, going to be doing lots of rants today, as I've t- t- said to the guys, and uh, and lots of passion about it because it's uh, a wonderful channel. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Look forward to passion and rants, and not sure in what order. But uh, thanks for joining us, Anna. And I couldn't get a fourth panelist beginning with the letter A, so I went to the letter I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Izzy, thanks for joining us.
4: Hi, hello. My name is Izzy, and currently I'm a co-founder and head of search in Creates Media. But uh, I've started my when well, i started in uh, working in digital marketing uh, ten years ago. I've started as an outreach specialist, and like good couple of years of my career were focused, and I was living, breathing outreach and link building. <laughs>
0: Living, breathing, outreach, and link building. That's another <laughs> wonderful, relevant <laughs> panellist. I so got that one right as well. So I'm sure the conversations could be great. Thanks for joining us, Izzy. Um, let's go back to the original order and um, maybe ask our panellists the the, the the first question. And that is, um, how do you go about determining the ideal link opportunity? So AJ, what are your thoughts on that? How do you actually determine what the optimum opportunity is nowadays?
1: So I think the, the standard um, has definitely been established to something that's niche relevant, something that already has authority, something that has a fair bit of traffic. So those are ways to just kind of like, you know, as Google's, um, as their rules evolve and they focus on quality and relevance, then that's a nice way for link builders to say, okay, this is qualitative. This is relevant. Um, But when you go like a couple levers deeper and depending on how sophisticated you are with outreach and like, you know, the kind of cat and mouse game of like, is this person inflating their metrics, or is this person inflating their traffic, or are these real metrics? Then you start looking a little deeper, um, and like below the surface, I we could look to see if um, if the website exists for any other reason than to like publish posts. So like, does it sell a product? Does it sell a business? That's usually a good indicator of a like probably a, a site that's worth going after. Uh, does the site have like a write for us page, like plastered at the top of its like menu? If it does, then, you know, maybe this this site doesn't exist to create good content. Maybe it exists to, to sell links. Um, a, a few other ways, like as you get like like deeper into the, the, the technical thing, you're like looking to see um, inbound versus outbound link ratios. So, like, is this person linking out to way more sites than they get links from coming in? So like all of these are little like higher quality um, indicators of this is a a site that's hard to publish on. This is a a blog that someone cares about what kind of content is published on that site. And like the the traffic trends are probably going in a positive direction, not something that peaked five years ago. And now there's like, you know, little remnants of traffic that people are trying to monetize. So that's some of the ways that we try to like, like go beyond um, niche traffic DR to like making sure that it's also just a real good site that's that's gonna be in the like positive column and not the disavow column like five years from now.
0: Yeah, I'm talking about five years. It seems like five years ago that um everyone was after um logging influencers and, and, and links from those types of sites. Uh, but you mentioned there that you'd probably prefer a site with, uh, that, that sells products, um, uh, as opposed to just having a blog. Um, so, so is, is that a hard and fast role is, is, is a site that sells a, a product generally better than a blog nowadays?
1: Well, I just, I, I find that like, you know, when you're getting into the SEO world of like link building, it's like, well, a lot of these vendors have figured out how to show up in certain searches. So if you're looking for pages where you can guest post, if you're looking for pages where you can uh, write on, if you're looking for certain keywords, well, like these link vendors have been doing this for a long, long time. So every time someone searches that, those sites are always the ones that are popping up. So like, it's like now it's like, how do we discount that site versus an actual primary blog that is, is is a blog that's publishing content, has an audience. So I wouldn't say it's a hard and fast rule that like, it must be making money in some other way. Like one of the the ways it could be making money through ads, right? But in order to have um, revenue through ads, you need to have a lot of traffic. In order to have a lot of traffic, you need to have a lot of content control. And if you're like publishing guest posts willy-nilly, that, that's probably not the category you fall into. Um, so I would say, yeah, more than just like avoiding blogs, but like being really, really picky with the type of blogs you go for.
0: Got you. Okay. And... Aj mentioned that um, he, he will focus on niche websites as well. Is anyone on on the panel actually? Would anyone prefer having a, a just a general website, but a, but a fairly authoritative website over a niche website?
4: No, I think I totally agree with with the relevancy, and there have even been studies. So, like I think in two, the, every the one before or, or or one before that, And right SEO. There's been one of the ladies been showing a study that they've done. Uh they they've built links from relevant very relevant sites and then the, the more general but really let's say with a, with a really nice flashy stats uh, stats sites and actually uh, from a SEO perspective the really relevant ones uh, were getting better results than the more general about uh, the flashy stats ones so I, i'll definitely agree the relevancy to your website and to your niche but also to your audience and the websites that your audience and your target audience will be getting something from as well so
3: it
0: has to all make sense to your to your audience and and to your niche. Anna, you were nodding away there. I was hoping that you would disagree with something.
3: <laughs> um, no, I I don't really. I I think the only way that I prefer um, a broader audience is uh, in sort of those um, as you were saying about the flashy numbers. Sometimes when you're looking for a campaign that maybe does a dual aspect, whether it's the backlinks and wanting a bit of publicity at the same time, that's maybe the only time that I would go for one of those slightly broader, bigger, flashier number ones where, you know, there's a dual purpose to it as well. You know, a bit of that traditional PR with the digital PR, we want actually to get some big coverage, but actually we want, we want to get a backlink at the same time. So that can work sometimes. And I've had it in the past where, it's a, a bit of a catch-all, but at the same time as what Izzy said, you probably won't get the same metrics, but you will get a little bit of both instead. So a sort of jack-of-all-trades type of publication that you get.
4: I mean, no, 100%. So what we have to remember is mm. it all should stay natural. in And in a natural world, mm. in, in a normal world that we live in, it will never be that a website will have just the relevant, super relevant links or just the completely unrelevant links so it's usually a bit of both so similar if we talk like follows and no follows right usually it's a bit of both mm-hmm. so there will be reasons to give no follow there will be reasons to give do no follow and it's similar with that so sometimes as you said 100 so i used to work with mm-hmm. a client they would they would do like a massive massive pr campaigns and they will get coverage in like metro and all the other london based uh, newspapers and obviously they a bit more on the general side, yeah, because they were be writing about about different various stuff. But for the campaigns they did, uh, it actually made sense. So I think the key here it has to make sense. So like whatever type of mm-hmm. campaign, and we're gonna we're gonna throw it depends straight away at the beginning because why not, right? It depends what kind of campaign you're running. So if you run a campaign that will attract this sort of um, general publications, I think it's a totally little fine. You know, as as long as as it all ties together nicely and if you run a campaign that will attract more of the relevant ones then then that's great as well i think you we have to remember not to just go away and get let's get just whatever so we have to remember to to focus because if we focus on the relevant publications we will also focus on our audience and uh on the things that they want right so i think i'm going to go back to my example from brighton seo i think it was a website selling bike accessories i think i, I don't want to lie but i think um and they've been talking about links from the bike related website so obviously where you where your audience will be they probably if they if they really you know love cycling then they will be hanging around on a bike related uh, websites and and maybe facebook groups and and stuff like that so that's where you want to focus right that's where because you want to get to them that's your ultimate business goal to get to your target audience right whereas um but if you run like a full-on campaign to i don't know um promote your cycling event for charity let's say then when it will it will make total sense to get uh you know, uh, your your general publications involved because you want to get as many people as, as as possible, right? So I think I think it all depends on the on the angle you take with your with your campaign.
0: Aaron, what are your general thoughts in terms of determining what link opportunity is the best opportunity to go for? Do you have any particular steps that you go through to identify the optimum opportunity? Is there any particular system that you use? Sure, I
2: think when you're evaluating a link opportunity, there's two ways to look at it. One is on the, like, what page are you going to build links to, or what type of content are you going to promote side? And the other is, well, who are my targets going to be? And um, there's also, I guess, on the, what page am I going to target? There's some that's, okay, do we want, let's get the links that are going to build this page specifically to generate traffic, or is it more of a general Uh, approach to just building authority. So there's some different ways to look at it. And then on the like what pages to target perspective, um, I like to try to build links, like not paying for them or not doing guest posting and stuff. And so it's more about, okay, what approaches can I actually get links for like this website that are going to work without just paying for them? And so I think for me, it's being opportunistic on are there, are there certain types of campaign strategies that'll work uh, for this type of page or not? So there might, for example, you have a money page and yes, everyone wants links to the money page, but there may not be a strategy that you can identify that's necessarily going to work for that uh, particular page in the moment. And so maybe while you're looking and, and, and identifying campaign types that will work, you may uncover an option later, sometimes just being flexible with the type of, campaign you're going to run allows you to uh, just run with what's working well, and then while keeping your your eyes open for opportunities that may later open up different opportunities.
0: AJ, how do you actually go about finding specific link uh, opportunities? I mean, for instance, do you search Google for a particular keyword phrase and see what websites actually come up for that, and actually for the relevant websites there, reach out to them? Or is there some kind of software tool that you use to um, automate the process for you?
1: I've tried. I've tried many. Uh, there are there are a few out there and you know they all kind of, um, I'd say, pull through the same sources. Um, Google is indispensable, for sure. It's got the freshest data. Uh, the search operators are super, super flexible. Just recently, I started um, using the around uh, search operator. I don't know if you guys have heard about that one, but it's like you take two, like a keyword, like uh, tax deductions, and you do... Tax around plus a number and then deductions and then instead of just like looking for an article that has that exact like keyword on there it'll it'll return art- articles that have the words kind of nearby so you can start to get like contextually probably relevant um, sources that way so you know in general we've been using tools like uh, HREFS their content explorer we've been using um, Google search and I guess the goal like the way we approach the prospecting is like, I wanna find a big raw pool of data to start with uh, URLs. And then like, how can I like filter this down to a more manageable level for like manual prospecting? Um, so then that second part of it becomes like, you know how do we use um, like bulk metrics checkers to just filter out low quality things? How do we automatically categorize like the certain page type that the results pull up? So it's like, we can just like focus on sites that are actually publishing content and not just like info pages or directories or whatever the case may be. Um, So I would say like, it's a combination, like the secondary filtering. It's a combination of like, there's some really cool stuff that you can do with like GPT integrations and Google sheets where you're like, shoot, I have a, uh, a list of like 20,000 URLs? Like how do I filter this down to something that's way more manageable? And it's like, there's some really cool tools now where you're like, Hey GPT, like just analyze each one of these like URLs and, and like, you know, give me, uh, X that meet X criteria, and like suddenly after 10 minutes, you've gone from 20k to like maybe 500 or thousand, and then it becomes like much more manageable in that way. That's like, I think that's where like the evolution of link prospecting is happening, which is like using more of these like AI tools to like have the people that are on your team like not really do as much mind-numbing work anymore, but like do more of like the the kind of more fun stuff of, of qualifying and prospecting.
0: I loved your brief tip about using the uh, around operator as well. I mean, it's, that's been around for a while, but um, I, I guess most SEOs probably don't actively use that, and it helps to filter the results to hopefully deliver something a little bit more relevant to to, to, to what you're looking for. And um, your mention of GTP was certainly interesting as well. Is there any particular, particular plugin that you use with that and um, recommend?
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, Sheets... Sheets for work. I think that's the website name. Um, and then the, the, sh- the Chrome extension itself is called uh, GPT for sheets. And, you know, it's got like little um, formulas that you can create, like uh, equal GPT underscore classify. And then you feed it like, a, um, I feed it like 15 common page types that show up on a, on a web page, like a blog post, about page, contact page. And then I ask the tool to classify each, each page. And, you know, what I'm looking for are mostly blog posts that match a certain keyword combination and like all these, like other pages kind of try to get their way into the, into the list and instead of just like overwhelming someone with a manual qualification, um, GPT, will just do it for you and actually does a, a really good job if you give it the right, the right classifiers.
0: Anyone else on the panel, a fan of using GTP to assist with the right reach process?
3: Mine's well, not quite so technical, but I do love the the sort of web pilot and the bin bin connection where you can go to a new site and ask it questions about the site, who writes on this, or, you know, what topics have it has it got on this, which is really useful because if you've identified a site and you're trying to sort of understand if it's if it's the right audience, if it's going to hit the mark, then um I absolutely love just asking it questions because now it's got the web integrations. You can ask it so many questions about websites and they come back with some wonderful, wonderful stats and information that can feed back to you. Um, Even sort of journalists' names that are mentioned in the text as well. So you know, once you get to that stage, uh, who you can contact as well. So that's one of my favourites.
0: And we've already seen. It can
3: definitely make...
0: Go for Izzy.
4: Sorry. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, it can definitely make your work uh, quicker, right? Even once you're already established sort of which which websites you'd like to go after, then it can make the the process of reviewing and uh, making sure that this is what you want a lot quicker.
0: And what you don't particularly want is to be reaching out to tens, hundreds of websites and hardly receiving any responses at all. So can we talk a little bit about um, what to say in in the outreach process? Uh, The ideal medium to use i mean i presume that you're using email maybe a, a, a lot of it personalized but i mean are there any specifics that you can advise around what what to include in that outreach in order to a get a response and and get them engaged enough with what you're offering or talking about in order to consider what you're um what you're wanting to to do with them shall we shall we go with Aaron, uh, for that one, I was just looking at you in the screen there, Alan, just to make sure you'd not, Aaron, just to make sure you'd not frozen, but sure. you moved. So good thing.
2: Yeah. So you know, my approach to outreach has always been, you know, I just want to be as, uh, short and straight to the point as possible. I avoid any sort of flake, uh, fake flattery or anything like that. And I personally, I don't try to be super creative in my outreach, uh, emails, templates. It's just like, I just want to let the person know as quickly as possible what I'm asking. And I find the success of the campaign is more based on the quality of the ask or the quality of the the campaign itself than the actual, um, you know, email that I write. I don't tend to, uh, you know, some people are different. They get very creative in the writing. I tend to be more like, uh, I find the success ranges more based on the quality of the prospects and the quality of the pitch that we're doing than it does uh, from the templates and so i'm I'm actually pretty vanilla when it comes to that. Um, but as long as you're and, and I think too, too, one of the things different is a lot of, a lot of prospecting is done based on content, but usually I'm looking at all my prospecting is based on on uh, backlinks. so I'm, I look identify pages I know okay, they're linking to X, a number of uh, this external page. So I, I know they'll be w- more willing to link to us or certain things like that that I can kind of understand maybe their willingness to link to us. But as far as the actual words I say, I, I'm, I'm just trying to be as straight to the point as possible.
0: So by the quality of the ask, are you essentially saying the relevance of the offer?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, for example, uh, a very high converting like outreach campaign would be an unlinked mention campaign where it's a very easy ask. They already know you. They've mentioned you in the article, but they haven't linked back. So you run that kind of campaign, you're going to have a high conversion rate because it's a very easy ask and it's it's a very warm, they already already know about you because they wrote about you. Um, Whereas uh, there's other, you know, like resource campaigns is going to have a different conversion rate. A broken link campaign is going to have, And so for example, like in broken link campaign, also the quality of the broken link and the quality of your replacement, that's going to be a bigger determinant of the success of that campaign than the words you say, because it's going to be pretty vanilla. It's like, you have a broken link, I'm suggesting a replacement. And so it's more about, okay, what was that broken link? How is it being referenced? Is it referenced in a way where they do want some sort of supplementary information being linked to and then are you providing a good replacement those factors for me tend to influence more the success of that campaign than than the actual template itself
0: does anyone else in the panel have a more bespoke individualized process to outreach uh, do, do you for instance consider each email and um look at all your your Pros, potential prospects uh, sites and, and try and incorporate what they do to demonstrate that you've taken time to really understand what they do before doing that outreach?
3: That's that's my preferred approach. So I think the one thing we sometimes forget when we're trying to get backlinks um, and coverage is that at the other end of an email is a person they want a good quality article. They want something that's going to keep them um, in the good eyes of their boss. You know, journalism is incredibly hard at the moment. There's reduced teams. People are finding it incredibly difficult. So they want really good quality stories that are going to keep them their jobs, that they're going to feel proud about. So we want to just make sure that we're remembering that there's people there and having those relationships with them. So You know, we understand what your audience is. You know, sometimes in emails I'll say, I think this will be perfect for your audience because of this and this. You know, making sure that I know their audience and who they're targeting. I mention whether if I have seen them doing articles of similar things before, I I saw you wrote an article on X, Y and Z. I, so I think this would be perfect for you. It's right up your street. I and mean, we've got to remember it was also sometimes there's a pre-outreach as well, which sometimes gets lost where there's that relationship building. You know, olden days, before just we had our little black books of journalists where we got to know people and we would go and pitch multiple clients to them. And with be, you know, it's not always appropriate, but actually I'm on several groups. Um, uh, freelance media for women and, um, lots of wonder groups with sort of journalists and bloggers on where I get to know them beforehand and I get to, uh, we help each other out so that actually that outreach comes sometimes starts before the outreach where you're building those really solid connections with people so that, you know, you know, if you send them a piece, they're actually just going to cover it because they know you're good. What you send is good quality. Uh, you know, it's, it's much deeper than that sort of, you know, there's, there's a bit of a lean towards sort of spray and pray approach where it's just sending a lot of, of links out. It's that really good quality stuff because people don't have the time, you know, digital age, people are inundated with emails. You really need to stand out. If you've got a prior connection and they spot your name in that inbox, they're going to want to talk to you. So, there's actually, a, I think, a lot more around the outreach than just the outreach. And I think some of that relationship building has definitely been lost, which can
1: really help.
0: AJ, are you a fan of pre-outreach?
1: Yeah, that kind of sounds like um, like the, I don't, I don't know if I love the word, but it's like the sniper link building approach, where instead of like the shotgun approach, you're actually zooming in, you're what is it it going to take for me to get this one opportunity completed? And that's probably more effort than just sending one email, right? It's like building a relationship, all that. Um, As an agency with, um, you know, uh, multiple clients, different niches, most of the clients are not like well-known brands. It's like there's some level of um, like process that we need to engineer into the system where it's like, okay, we're starting with, you know, 500 prospects. We're gonna email them of a certain percentage they'll show interest of a certain percentage of those will eventually lead, like turn into links. Um, and like the template does make a, a big difference in terms of like whether you get those initial responses or not. but I, I'd say the the more valuable part is just how good the, the prospecting is, which in terms of like like Aaron kind of said, it's like it's not exactly the, the template. It's more about the person you reach out to and what, kind of what the pitch is. You can say that a hundred different ways, but if you contact the right person who's going to be interested in something like that, they'll probably respond. Um, I I was testing this myself, actually, like over the past two or three months, I hired like a professional copywriter because I was just like, you know, like these templates that were working eight months ago, I just feel like they're not working the same as they used to. You know, maybe I've just like lost my mojo. Let me hire a guy and like see if he can like, you know. Um, and him being like a, a total copywriter, I, I looked at the emails and I'm like, wow, this, this like reads really well. And there were like a bunch of emojis in there and like lots of like exposition and all this stuff. But like, you know, I'm back of my head. I'm like, I don't know if I've actually replied at this It's so long. It's like, you know, who's going to read this? And then we tested it. Um, some of the Like some of the campaigns, some people responded, they're like, wow, really cool email. Yeah, we'd be happy to work with you. But in general, I think it was just like super long, not to the point, like kind of fake flattery. And it just didn't like land. So um, going back to more simpler times, um, that's probably where we'll kind of update some of our templates to focus on the more simple stuff. Um, And... And yeah, I think that's that's a big part of it, though, is like testing, experimenting, and like, I think the strategy you have kind of depends on the type of service you offer. If you're going to offer, um, a, a, if you're going to specialize in link building, you have to have a certain process that is going to have lots of prospects at the top of the funnel and a certain percentage of those will turn into links for clients, and you have to kind of deliver this on a monthly basis. Whereas if you're like working internally for one company or a couple companies, like you're, you're really able to, to zoom in, focus, build relationship, build narrative. So like both strategies can work. It just depends on what the the business goals are and like what the what kind of team you have to, to utilize for it.
0: Is he, um, A.J. mentioned that um, he wasn't a particular fan of long emails that aren't really to the point. Uh, I must admit when I get outreach type emails myself, I like emails to be short, to the point, demonstrate that they actually know what they're talking about in terms of what they're asking for, and hopefully that they've um, actually engaged a little bit m- with my site. But is is there anything that you like to incorporate in emails to enhance your conversion rates, your likelihood that someone is going to read your email and get back to you?
4: Um, I think, first of all, I think all of those answers were spot on. I just think they should all be put together. So definitely 100% what's important is what we're offering because it's like, mar- it's like with marketing. The best marketing won't sell bad product. So if the product that you want them to link to, so like your content piece, your resource, your, your whatever you're you trying to get the links to, is just not there and not quite good enough. The best outreach campaign is probably not going to help you. And if. The product is great, but the outreach is uh, and the marketing is is not hundred percent. That's probably not gonna get you the results as well. So I think both approaches are um just should be put together basically. And as for the emails, I totally agree with you. I'm sorry, David. I'm again, agreeing with you. I hate like a very long type of emails. And uh, what's that for me? And I kind of learned that not even from doing outreach, but more from receiving that. You mm. know, hey, we want to write a guest post for you. I think that's what I learned the most from. Because I'll be totally honest, when I see guest post opportunity or guest post something, I just tend to delete the email straight away. Like I don't even look at it. And so I think like first your subject line is very important because that's what the first, mm-hmm. that's what we get so many emails and we get to be swamped with emails and requests and people wanting stuff from us. So the subject line is really the thing that let me, oh, that's interesting, or, oh, this again. So, like, so what's I an example what's
0: of a subject line that you would use instead of guest post opportunity?
4: Uh, well, I would probably, I, would, I wouldn't use a guest post opportunity at all. <laughs> uh, probably something that will, you know, something that will catch. So I don't know, if you're offering a resource, uh Put the resource name in, for example, and tell them what it's going to do for them. Like, I've got X, Y, Z that's going to do this for you, or, or something like that. Maybe it's a hard question to like, come up with uh, on the spot, but definitely not like you know. Oh, I want to write a guest post for you, or at least from for me from my perspective. I, as I said, I, I tend to delete those emails straight away because like I, I don't tend to get guest posts. <laughs> so, no. um, but with answer as well. If and I remember even when I when I started uh, working, this this what we've been. Taught, like taught once and and, and uh, more times that we have to build relationships with with those people that we want to, it's not like get that, because when I started it was guest posting and write for us, that's what we've been looking for, it was 10 years ago, it was completely different times, right, but even then it wasn't like, don't do write for us, guest post and move on to the next one, build, you know, build up the relationship try to work with them for longer time, and I don't think that changed, even that the write for us is gone and the guest posting is kind of Gone, right? Should be gone at least. um The building, building the relationships is still there and should still be there. So, if we put it all together, it would be like a really good product or a, a resource, let's say, for people to link to because there has to be a value at the end of the link. There has to be a reason for me to link. Because if, if there's no reason, then why would I? You know, there has to be a reason and the, why would my audience click through? Why would I want my audience to click through to give them some value, some additional value, right? So, there has to be a value. But if I already had a relationship with that person, so if I connected with them on social, on LinkedIn, on Twitter or whatever, and they already know me, they are gonna be 100% more likely to be like, oh, this is a good subject line from this person that I know, I'll, I'll check it out. You know, I'll, I'll, but probably if I just written, you know, if, even if they know me on Twitter, if, just, if I just said, oh, I wanna write a guest post for you, they'd be like, yeah, like hundreds of other people, just go away. <laughs> so 100%, not too long and to the point, I, that's what I prefer. Uh, because when I see when I see all of that, you know, I'm just like, yeah. And the guest post in the subject line, I'm just like, yeah, no, no, like, I, I don't even want to read that. But the subject line has to be like, you know, catchy, and you have to you have to give something already for the person to, to get interested. That's what I think, at least. That's what what's my approach is.
0: Let's just talk a little bit about um, what we should offer, if anything, uh, in order to get a link. Um, because some companies are willing to pay cash, some companies are willing to give away things for free. Some companies um, think that just being associated with their brand should be enough in order to to get a link for that person. So um, is there anything um, in terms of the style of asking uh, or the style of offering, um, whatever you're offering in exchange for a link um, is a more effective thing to do? Uh, are, are you seeing any trends in, t- in terms of um, what, uh, bloggers or uh, other people who are going to link to you are looking for in exchange for a link. Uh, Aaron, um, shall we start off with you, with you on that one?
2: Yeah. So with my kind of the type of link building I do, it, I try to avoid the pay linking and the guest posting. Those types of things uh, are not really in my wheelhouse. But the fact of the matter is that there's there's some industries that I just can't work in because it's there's certain industries in order to compete. It's very hard to build enough backlinks in certain industries without, you know, offering some sort of payment or something in exchange. So it really depends on the industry that you're working in and uh, how competitive it is. And then in, in regards to, you know, how are people asking for things? You know, like there is definitely the, you know, it's very viable to build a lot of backlinks without, giving something in terms of monetary compensation or something but there are things that people appreciate you doing for them and that's why I like something like broken link billing there's an inherent value in it to to people um and there, there so there are types of strategies that there is value in it and so i think when you're giving someone value they're more likely to listen to your your pitch and and respond uh, positively but uh, as far as you know, how people are asking and and what they're doing, I mean, the fact of the, the matter is, apart from PR, how many people are actually building backlinks without giving some sort of exchange? It's it's pretty small. It's kind of almost a dying form of outreach. A lot of the PR, um, you know, they're they're doing earned links, but you know, most of the the t- typical link building is guest post. Pay link building, exchange-based link building. And so there's a lot of that going on. Um, but uh, since it's not something I do, I'm not as uh, you know well-versed as the, kind of the best way to ask and the best way to kind of do those negotiations.
4: I think I wouldn't agree is that, that the link building, or maybe if I understood incorrectly, please tell me, but uh, I wouldn't agree that the um, art of building links or earning links we should really say now uh for without exchanging like money or products is a dying card i think we're actually moving towards it more and more but what we what we kind of missing and what what i think many people are missing is like link building and pr we still tend to distinguish them so much and they are actually quite connected and Mm they actually very close and should be very close and they're very very similar arts they just call it differently. So what we have to remember is um, Google and uh, doesn't want us to kind of build links. Like they want us to earn links. And this is where PR comes. And this is how, like, I promise you, I even uh, tried it without trying on my own website. And yes, this is slower because it, it's a lot slower to earn links and actually go out and pay people for links, but it's doable. And if you like, if you do stuff and kind of like show off your expertise You will get those mentions and you will get those links more in a PR-ish way than the old-fashioned, let's say, uh, link building way. But it's definitely something that I think we're moving towards rather than, away from.
2: Sure, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. It's just, uh, I think the distinction is that most people that are doing more earned type of, of link building, they call themselves digital PRs. And most people that call themselves like link builders, they tend, at least from my experience, they tend mm-hmm. to be more on like the guest posting, uh, link exchange kind of side of things. But yes, there is, a, and, and there is a distinction there and it's not fully understood and some people use it differently. And so it is... Um, the way people use digital PR and PR and link building, it is a muddy kind of uh, definition, and so yeah, there's
1: uh, yeah, there's some some
2: misunderstanding there for sure.
0: AJ, is it possible to earn all the links that you would like?
1: Sure, that's a that's a tac- that's a tactic for sure. Um, earning a link to a you know a DevOps service page maybe might not be as easy, or you know, earning a link to some product page and on an e-commerce thing that's a deep link may not be that easy. Um, uh, I can give the perspective of of like uh, a link building agency who has multiple clients and has to deliver like many high end links per month and like how we try to go about it. Um, The first thing is it's usually um, the email that has like nothing to offer in return. Um, usually require some kind of like build up relationship thing to to get there or some really amazing piece of content or some unique data. And sometimes you just don't have those assets available to you. So you may want to take stock of what assets you do have. And then for some people who have a, a large social media audience, they can say, okay, we'll publish this and then we'll blast it out to our our audience. And that might be the thing you offer, or whether it's a newsletter, same kind of thing, right? And if you can include that, show proof of that, make it interesting, then you know that's that's, that's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have access to other websites that are high quality, well-known, good metrics in the space, um, that thing you offer could be like a link exchange or like I've even seen people mm-hmm. do like if there's something I can offer you in return, I'm just leaving it open-ended like that. Like even that is kind of like a, hey, I know I'm, I'm asking you for something, but I'm not just asking for a handout. I'm willing to work with you, willing to be helpful. And like just that little extra like addition to an email can make a, a big difference. Um, I posted something on my LinkedIn uh, a couple of days ago, like a little graphic of like one of my favorite link building strategies. Uh, this is something that I tested out um, last month, and I was like, okay, I, I don't have any link swap assets. Um, I want to get onto really high end blogs, and I want to connect with like people who are actively in this industry, publishing on really good sites. And like, how do I how do I get in there? Um, how do I build relationships? How do I provide value? So like one of the things I was I was playing around with was a strategy where it's kind of like a two-pronged approach where first I'm like, I'm looking at the, the high-end sites in the industry. So for like marketing, maybe that search engine journal and a few others like that. And then on the other end, I'm looking to get like a contributor post um, on a relatively well-known niche blog in the marketing space. And then the I guess the post that I would publish would be some kind of expert roundup or just something that gives like a how-to and it'll just give me an opportunity to include um, the other people like within this article maybe as an expert mention, maybe as something like that. So like thinking about it as like a two-pronged approach where I, I do this guest post thing here, but I'm reaching out to influencers to provide them value here. And then suddenly you're just kind of like, you know, uh, killing two birds with one stone. You've built relationships for that you can leverage in the future And you're also building like a a pretty high quality article to publish on on a niche relevant blog post. So just like getting creative, like that's I think that's the the biggest takeaway is depending on the industry, depending on what you have available to you is just taking stock of that and then doing something that's more unique than, you know, guest post opportunity subject line, as they say.
4: I think getting creative is the, is the actual yeah is the actual takeaway because once you get the idea, like a very good idea and then you can uh, turn it into into content or in, into a resource or into something that you can put on your site, then uh, I would say it's a lot easier to actually get people interested if you already got something of value at the other end of the link, so if there is something, uh, as we mentioned, like a, a data set or like a, a, a survey, or like if we run a survey and then publish a result of, of, of some figures of interest to, to your audience, then it's, it's a lot easier to get people interested because they might use it like in theirs. So let's say if I'm writing an article uh, on something and someone just pitched me like, hey, we've got this amazing survey results here, then it, it's going to be a lot easier for them to get a link from because they're going to be like, wow, that would really go well with whatever I'm working on. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna send my audience there. so I think that the, getting creative and getting the the first idea and then doing it right that's your that's your main bit because then then it's really a lot easier to to get those things um pointing to you and to earn those things as well
0: Anna um what I heard from AG was that um i, I, I felt that he said to maybe you feel free to disagree with A. G. but I, I felt that what what you were saying is that um if you, don't have a budget, then you need to focus on building relationships um, and then you've got a chance of getting links for free. Uh, but if you do have a significant budget, then you don't have to focus so much on building that relationship and you can just um, outreach more with whatever you've got to offer.
1: I don't know if, if um, like, a majority of my links come, even if I had a big budget, a majority of my links coming from sites that I have to pay to publish them that's probably not like where I want the majority of my links to come from, or that's not like what link neighborhood I want a majority of my links to be in. Um, I have nothing against paid links. Um, you know, a certain percentage of paid links is fine. And some, you know, some industries is really hard to, to build links without paying for them. Um, but I think it's diversity is, is more what, what I'm kind of about. Um, and if you have a bigger budget then besides just paying for links, you can do even more creative stuff probably.
0: And um, Anna, would you have any final thoughts on this particular question? Just before we move on to the last one,
3: yeah. I mean, I think f- from my perspective, you know, I I feel that you know, big brands. I've worked with big brands at game and that, and I've worked with micro businesses, and I I kind of approach them both the same because I feel we were talking about the quality of the content and 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 what are we going to give them. I mean, the gift is. That we're giving them something of quality that's going to be useful to them, whether they're you you're coming from a small company or a big company, you know. I've got the same links from a one-man band as I have a large company in the same publications because of the quality of the the content is is equal. It's it's not about the name, it's about the quality of the content and whether that's equal. And like Izzy was saying about, you know, having that landing page, which, you know from small businesses to large businesses, you can have that and that quality of content. So for me, I think that the size of business doesn't matter much. I, I, I've got a friend that's gone viral with a very small business. Uh, who has got a digital PI agency, us at Story & Search, and he, he's gone viral with co- really, really small pages, got backlinks, um, at all of these publications that he wanted. And... Um, and did incredibly well. So I think it's more the quality that's there. And because I don't want people that have got small businesses to think, oh, actually, I can't do this. I can't get the backlinks. Because it's actually, you you can produce just as much good quality content. You've got thought leaders. You've got data. A lot of people don't use their data. Uh, like Izzy was saying, data is really, yeah. really valuable. So um, it's, it's just about um, giving the gift of something that's good quality, to uh, someone who needs it, because that's publications need articles and they need information, they need something to keep their readers active, and it's just about connecting those dots, really, um, rather than than worrying too much about. Um, yeah, pay, I don't do, don't really like paid stuff i like all the organic stuff i I want it free
4: (laughs) if i if i may just like a like a final thought Uh, well i think what we have to remember as well because we keep saying like creating content and and getting the content out there but in fact it doesn't actually have to be the actual content so like you said small businesses shouldn't think that oh we have to create an an ebook now or like tons of pages of content Mm -hmm. it can be different things you just have to get creative so years back uh, i used to work with a manufacturing uh, company so what you might call a boring industry so they would manufacture like a little gaskets and like you know not very creative stuff but uh what we did for them we ran and manufacturing awards kind of stuff it was all online but we like invited other manufacturers from the uh, from from around where we were and it actually you know it, it was really it was a really good campaign and we got quite a few very good uh backlinks um, to, to to homepage and uh, I can't exactly remember where where, where they've been uh, pointing, but definitely some home, very good homepage links and and some uh, other important pages as well. So it doesn't have to be actual tons and tons of content. It's just getting creative with what we do and getting getting people interested. I think I think that's the main uh, main takeaway of, of earning those links for free.
3: <laughs> I think also on top of that being coordinated with your agencies so if you have more than one agencies or internal teams if people are creating content already get everyone connected up because if someone's creating content but then someone's link building elsewhere and it's all siloed then that can be a lot more work whereas if everyone's working together and a piece of content is then reusable it's for digital pr it's for link building it's for this you know it's for sales team you can actually connect the dots and particularly for small companies don't have much time they can um, reuse that content across multiple different channels and i think the problem comes when people get all these different departments doing different things and that actually creates more work if you're you know got the web team making a landing page the insight team doing a date getting the data and this is what we're all joining together to do it makes it a lot easier so i hundred percent agree with Izzy, and, you know, it's, it's about getting that, being this, creative. This, but this getting brilliant
0: advice. advice. Look, uh, guys, let's finish up with um, one more quick fire question and then an opportunity just to remind the listener where they can find out more about you and, um, and contact you if, 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 if you if they want. Um, so the one question is, um, you can either choose for uh, one or two. So it's either what's one outreach thing that people need to stop doing um, link builders, SEOs, whatever need to stop doing, or what's one outreach activity and that's better than thing that, that um, SEOs and link builders need to start doing. Um, and that's based upon, I guess, something that's either used to work 10 years ago, um, and you see people still doing it now and they just need to stop doing it. or something that has changed and probably works more effectively now, but you don't see enough people doing now. So that's one thing like that to share. And then if, after that, if you just simply just share, um, remind people who you are and where people can find you. So
2: shall we start off with Aaron? I guess if I can think of one thing that people should start doing, uh, you guys talked a lot about being creative and I'm not the most creative person, but there is other uh, form of link building where it doesn't require creativity and it's purely numbers driven that's kind of where i sit and that's where i say broken link building is something that people should, should still be doing uh because it's something that, it was like the og link building strategy and it still works today i've gotten links from new york times and all these and the nice thing about it is like you know sometimes these small companies and things when you talk about being creative with content it, it feels so uh challenging to create this, you know, a very creative content that's going to garner links. But with broken link building, you can find a broken piece of, of content. All you have to do is recreate it. And that takes all that amount of effort and, uh, like creativity kind of out of it. If I can find like a broken studies and just use those stats and compile those stats into a stats page, and that can be recreated, um, then it can just make it much uh, simpler and just more numbers driven and for someone uh someone that just wants to know exactly what they're going to get it can take a lot of the uncertainty out of the uh the, the the creation and the outreach process
0: lovely and where can people find you Aaron?
2: um so you can find me linkpitch.io, or uh you know uh, on my podcast uh, let's talk link building
0: it's superb thank you Aaron. and aj what would be your final tip and where can people find you
1: i guess this would relate to people who are Similar to me in terms of like, if you like um, tinkering with new toys and uh, you have like a a desire for automation in your systems, then if you are sending emails and sending lots of emails and using templates, um, it's it's just like the high name personalization and maybe like personalizing like the company name or something like it's just not going to be as that was at least like table stakes now. Before it was you could blast out anything, then it's like do some personalization. And now with, with like AI tools coming out, I think it's gonna enter the the era of like hyper personalization, which could be super time consuming, or like with the right mix of tools and tinkering and experimentation, it could actually be like pretty like time effective. And um I've also been I've already been playing around with like how do we like customize a pitch based on you know scraping here, scraping there um, like doing the relationship thing, but maybe at a larger scale where it kind of looks more like you're doing it versus actually doing it. Um, so far the results aren't great, but there's potential there. It's only going to get better. So for someone who's looking for advice, I would just say like, you know, test out the new stuff that's happening, the AI GPT, all the new tools that are coming out, like whoever starts to figure that stuff out first is going to have, I think, uh, a higher kind of advantage when it comes to link building and outreach. And um, to reach out to me, onlyoutreach.com is my business and AJ Pagdal is where I hang out on Twitter.
4: So yeah, I was just thinking I'm going to build on what AJ said, but at the same time, I'm going to go very basic with what, what people should start doing. What, well, what should they really been doing for ages already, but unfortunately still not do. Please do test your emails, especially if you go with automated emails and you send a lot of them I absolutely hate, and I promise you all the brands will hate getting emails, hello, first name, and stuff like that. And that still happens. (laughs) So please, I mean, I understand using templates because we we do stuff on a mass scale and obviously we will use templates, right? But please do check your templates, send a test email to your colleague and ensure it doesn't go like, hello, first name, or uh, with a subject, subject line. in the brackets. And uh, yes, and you can find me on Twitter at Izzy underscore CM or at (laughs) creativesmedia.co.uk.
0: Thank you so much, Izzy. And um, I presume it's just Anna to go.
3: Just me. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the people thing that making sure that the, you understand who you're talking to, how you're, who you're outreaching to, that's what we need to start doing. Um, I saw a wonderful tweet actually, um, I think it was yesterday from Luke Cope from Bottled Imagination who sent out some outreach and sent it to 63 people and got 100% open rate. That's about tailoring your content, getting the subject line right getting the, the message right to the, the right person. That's the sort of results you can get when you do it right and, um, and do it well, because then you're just, it's not wasted energy. You're just getting it to the right people that need it and who are right for your audience as well. Oh, also, yeah, you can find me on those at dare.com um, or LinkedIn. I'm always on there. Anna Bravington. I'm the only Anna Bravington so easy to find.
0: Well, thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much to the whole panel. Uh, absolutely wonderful discussion today. I've been your host, David Bain, on, of course, the Majestic SEO podcast. If you want to join us live next time, sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. And, of course, check out our other series at seoin2023.com. Thank you and...
3: Bye for now.